is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your host Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, can you hear me? Can. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the long-delayed podcast that was promised a couple weeks ago. Quick little message just uh, for our listeners. We're going to try to uh, be a little bit more... You didn't uh, listen to the PSA, Alan? The listeners, uh, listeners already know. I am so sorry. I did not. That's a terrible host thing to do. I'm so sorry. Yes, the listeners already know that you want to go back to formula, <laughs> keep the podcast shorter. Maybe you should just listen to it. It's a public service announcement for the public. I totally didn't even see it, honestly. Ladies and gentlemen, he calls himself Mr. Entertainment Beyond, and he's not even there at all. <laughs> That's true. Yes, I, I deserve to lose that moniker. All right, well, we're uh, reviewing... Uh, Sorry, just woke up. Reviewing Enola Holmes. Yes, you... a couple of people. I have a couple of pieces of news as well. I don't know if you want to start with the movie and the news first, but we can start. Let me with start with the news. Okay, so the two pieces of news were uh, the first one was the closing of the Regal Theaters, and I guess the more I'm looking at it and reading about it, it appears to be temporary. Now I don't know how long that is, but if you don't know, listeners. Uh, Regal reported, I think, a week ago that they were closing all 543 of their locations, at least temporarily. Now, I don't know if they did this before, all of them before at the beginning of the virus or not, or but it sounds pretty ominous. Now, their, their contention is that it's due to a lack of, uh, you know, films to show, and I don't know if that's really true or not, or if they're suffering just because they're not getting enough patrons and they can't really open in a lot of places, but so I guess we'll just have to wait and see what ends up happening. But if for some reason, even a quarter of them were to close permanently, that's a huge blow, let alone if, you know, something happened and they ended up closing permanently. I mean, that would just be insane. So I thought that was a pretty big uh, piece of news. Yeah, it's pretty sad for me. I've heard some things that sounds like uh, some of it's temporary and then some of it may not, may be permanent. Yeah. No, it's definitely uh, um a scary situation just because you know regal is probably i think if they said that's the second biggest movie theater chain in the world and you know that's a lot of theaters to close down there are some towns you know that i've I've got to imagine not just on the entertainment side of it but on the employment side of it i mean it's going to have a huge impact i think 40 40, people or something could end up unemployed and there are some towns where that's the only theater, you know, in, in small places. And if it shuts down, you know, there's nothing. There's no work in. There's no movies. So that's, that, it could be tough. I mean, it's definitely this, uh, this pandemic has definitely wreaked havoc on, on, on businesses. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Regal's been a staple of my life, my entire life growing up. And it would be disappointing if it stopped existing. 
Yeah. So honestly, um, I'm actually ill prepared. If we're done talking about Regal, I'm ill prepared with the second piece of news. I was going to talk about. I had just recently saw a little video um, about their, you know, who's going to be the next James Bond, and now I can't remember who they are. And if I go to the video, I'm going to lose the connection. So, and I can't remember off the top of my head. So I guess I'll pass on my second piece of news. But I mean, there was there's some new people that are in the mix apparently to be the next. Uh, yes, oh, oh, I. Henry Cavill, I think, was one of them. Um, and I'm trying to think of who the other one was. Tom Hardy was one I heard. Uh, Tom Hardy was mentioned. Uh, you know, if, if it's down to, you know, Tom Hardy, or if it comes down to, say, Tom Hardy or uh, Henry Cavill, I guess I prefer Tom Hardy. I'm not a huge Henry Cavill fan. I think he's done an okay job as Superman. But Superman's a pretty wooden character and he's a pretty wooden actor i mean there is there's i you know i find that there isn't a whole lot of depth to superman in general you know he's pretty much just a good guy and i know that they've tried to make him a little bit darker in the justice league and the batman versus superman stuff where he looks like he's you know got some emotional turmoil and stuff and and some of the offshoots the shows they've done small villain stuff he definitely has some but he's a pretty dimensional type of person he's a really goody good guy and and Henry Cavill's a pretty wooden actor. So I'm not, you know, that doesn't really move the needle for me. Check yeah. out the tutors then, because he's actually really good in that. Yeah. Is that um, where he plays uh, Henry Tudor? No, he plays uh, oh, no, that's one right. of uh, Henry's friends. Okay. Yeah, I've watched a couple episodes. Yeah, no, now that I'm thinking about it, that's not him that plays Henry. But um, I guess I'll have to watch it again to notice him as the friend but yeah i didn't think you know i'm not i haven't been overly impressed with him in general so. uh, but yeah i mean i like uh you know tom hardy's a pretty good actor i think i mean uh, you know i know that uh my wife along with a lot of other women on this planet think he's an incredibly attractive man so yeah you know, attraction it, attractiveness doesn't make a good actor i think he's an okay actor no i, I think agree. it's no, I totally most people's lust for him like he's not he hasn't really done anything special. I think the best thing, the best movies I saw him in was Inception and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. You know, it's such an iconic character that, I don't know. It's such an iconic character that, uh, you know, I hope they pick the right person to whoever, you know, whoever does. They've, they've made a few mistakes over the years. and, and Oh, yeah. Like, Who was one of the mistakes, Alan? This should be good, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and, you know, I guess it's debatable mistakes. I mean, I was never a big Roger Moore fan as as, as James Bond, and I definitely didn't like uh, Timothy Dalton. And, I, I, you know, I, I like Pierce Brosnan. I know a lot of people didn't. I don't think he did a great James Bond, per se. You better watch your mouth about my generation's James Bond. (laughs) I like Pierce Brosnan. I think he's really good. Um, uh, You know, but for me, for me, James Bond will always be Sean Connery. That's just, you know, that's, he's always been, in my opinion, although I like Daniel Craig. I think that Daniel Craig, you know, I'm a big Ian Flem. I'm a big James Bond fan, so. I, you know, I've read a lot of the books and, and the author, you know, described him as not a, an overly a handsome guy, you know, so 
I think Daniel Craig kind of fit that role a little bit better than some of the other guys that they've had. Not that he's not a good-looking guy, but um, just not that super pretty boy like maybe a Pierce Brosnan or even a Sean Connery. Um, I think Roger Moore was one of the more prettier boys if you're looking at any James Bond. No, I agree, too. And he was a terrible actor. He is a terrible boy. He was a terrible actor. He's dead now. But, uh, not to speak ill of the dead, but he was, he was a terrible actor. So, yeah, I mean, for me, Sean Connery is really the, the quintessential James Bond. But, you know, I've liked Daniel Craig, and, and I like Chris Frozen in general. So, I mean, you know, I didn't think that the, 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 the James Bond roles were, were necessarily his best roles, but I like him in general. So I was never disappointed when he played James Bond. So, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. So those were my uh, two pieces of news. You got any news you want to touch I on? I think I have. Move on to... One piece of news. Nola Holmes. And that is that uh, Blumhouse's anticipated reboot of the 96 Teenage Witch Driller, The Craft, is reportedly set for a release via VOD just in time for Halloween. So it says, uh, looks like Blumhouse. Blumhouse looks set to bring their anticipated reboot, or said that. So this time around, the film will have the advantage of a female director with Zoe Lister-Jones arguably offering a perspective that hadn't been considered when Andrew Fleming made the original. Blah, 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 blah. While fans of the original have been waiting to see just when the craft reboot would arrive, it now seems that its release will be handled by VOD, according to Blade Disgusting. The October 27th release date was announced by Amazon's new for October press release. Interesting. And that's what that's all they're saying about that. Yeah. I mean I, with everything going on in the world, why would it that there seems like a I feel like movie makers that are deciding, you know, Chris Nolan's a great movie maker and stuff, but he really kinda just killed Hollywood with forcing his movie to come out in theaters, uh this this year with um tenant yeah like <clears throat> so it seems smart for them to release this reboot on VOD i mean no one's running out to the movies to no. do anything no with theaters closing down especially regal you know i mean it's like where are you going to where are you going to show that movie christopher nolan you know i mean uh, what <laughs> i mean that it's yeah now it seems odd to me, and and it sets you know for all intents and purposes, it sets a bad precedent. I mean, you know, we're coming into cold and flu season. It, it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, other countries are talking about shutting down again because they're seeing a second surge, and we never got out of the first surge. And what are we going to do? Open movie theaters and have people sitting on top of each other in a closed building with recirculated air? You know, just, just spreading it to each other. I mean, I don't. You know, I suppose you could socially distance. You know, whatever. But at the same time, I mean. It's you know it's an enclosed place with recirculated air that just seems like a seems like a a breeding house for germs and, and bacteria and viruses and so I mean I'm not running out to the theater anytime soon you know so it would seem to me that at this time at, at this point in where we are VOD is the way to go if you actually want to have people see your movie you know. Or Are you there? Alan? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I couldn't for a second. Okay. I can. 
Yeah, so I was just saying that I think VOD is definitely the way to go. So it seems like he's missing the ball there. Well, you know, some people are going to do what they want to do. That is true. So, shall we move on to uh, Enola Yeah, let's get over to this review where, you know, everybody, Mr. Entertainment Beyond, wants to rush through these things. He doesn't want to spend an hour with you guys anymore. No, I'm good with no, I'm good with an hour. I just don't think they want to listen to us ramble for two and a half hours. People can jump in and jump out. I That's listen to podcasts that are a lot long. I just pause it and come back later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I watched the movie and I liked it. Um, I, you know, this was when we decided we were going to watch and, and cast to kind of have a little bit more uh, precise formula to the show, you know, actually something to talk about, a specific thing to address. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Sherlock Holmes fan. I'm a diehard Sherlock Holmes fan. Uh, I've listened, I, you know, I've read the stories, listened to the stories, you know, multiple times, all of them are extremely familiar. I've watched most of, if not read, or, you know, I've watched most of, if not all, of everything that's a spinoff, you know, movie or TV-wise, you know, that's similar or a reboot, elementary, you know, Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch, all that stuff. So this is definitely right up my alley. Um, and it didn't disappoint. Um, you know, it has uh, 11 from Stranger Things in it. It took me about 15 or 20 minutes to realize that's who it was. I kept looking at her going, God, I know her from somewhere. Who is that? And then I realized who it was. Um, and I really like her. I think she does. she's strong in this role. Um, she's, you know, a, a good actress. I really enjoyed her in Stranger Things. I have not seen all of Stranger Things. I think I'm about halfway through season two. Um, <clears throat> but I, you know, she's a good actress. Um, and the movie is a strong movie. I, I like a lot of the stuff they did. I like her talking to the camera. Um, I like kind of the... Um, the the expansion of the Holmesian universe, um, you know, it's obviously not canon. At the same time, they've gotten some sort of permission from somewhere to use the, you know. Well, as of what happened, Sherlock Holmes is one of those public domain oh, scenarios. Really, but because of the depiction, this is a small bit of news to sort of break this up, but. Because of Henry Cavill's depiction of a more um, human Sherlock Holmes or sympathetic, uh, the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle is actually suing this <laughs> Netflix movie for, um, for uh, fuck, I can't think of the word. But basically they're uh, saying that they stole uh, intellectual ideas because most of, Co- or most of Sherlock's stories are public domain, but the more sympathetic um emotional um sherlock holmes is not a public domain thing so they're actually the movie is in the process of being sued for that depiction of sherlock holmes interesting so bringing us back to the whole henry cavill thing again i i found him a little lacking um but i thought the movie was strong i you know i i like the way that she uh talked i think i already said this that she talked to the camera i like that kind of breaking of the fourth wall, you know, or whatever. Um, and I, you know, it's a smart movie. It's, it's well done. I love a period piece. The acting is strong. Um, you know, Mycroft is good. I thought that the, the actor that portrayed Mycroft does a good job. Um, he's the same you know, guy from, uh, the hunger games. 
Which one? Which guy from the Hunger Games? Uh, the guy who plays uh, the one. He's the the really pretty one. I think in the third one, who's a a past champion. I can't remember his Phoenix something. Oh, okay. Interesting. But yeah, no, I I really enjoyed him. His Mycroft. I thought he was funny. You know when he when they get off the train and he's uh asking her about where her hat or gloves are and he's just like my god right like that's kind of it's like no, he, and then he, what was he, up he, with he, his relationship with him and the old lady what was he was totally banging her or wanted to bang her <laughs> yeah i mean he's definitely you know buttoned up and stodgy and very traditional um you know which has always been kind of his character's you know mycroft's character traits and personality traits so that's pretty true to to the, you know, to the Conan Coyle um, stuff. Uh, I don't know. I liked the Mycroft from the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you could, you know, the, 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 the good thing about fictional characters is that really, even though they have a legacy and a history, and with characters like Sherlock Holmes or Watson or whatever, you know, you probably have a little bit less liberty, but fictional characters, you can mess around with them a little bit, you know, they're not, Real life people that I feel like you, you're you're somewhat obligated to the to the real human, you know. I mean, these are fictional characters that you can always kind of play around with, and I think that both of them did a good job. I mean, I like this Mycroft, I like the Mycroft from the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Um, you know, I think Robert Downey Jr. is a much better Sherlock Holmes than Henry Cavill was. You know, thank you. I don't know. I kind of feel like uh, once I figure out Sherlock Holmes was nothing more than kind of a high-functioning sociopath, uh, kind of turned me off to the character. Yeah. He is a very cold oh, for character. Sure. That was something that I, he didn't really seem to give a shit about Rachel McAdams' character in those movies, and then she died. It's like, shit, this guy is, uh, like, that's all great that you're brilliant deducer and a detective, but you're a terrible, terrible fucking asshole when it comes to human emotion. So I actually liked this depiction i thought it was i was like oh first I was like oh this is new for sherlock to be a caring person since he's been kind of a dick his whole life right yeah which so again, I, you know which was part of my problem with it you know again i mean I, I you know i say in the same breath they're fictional characters and you can mess around with them and then when they mess around with them in ways that i don't really care for i think to myself well that was not something sherlock holmes would ever really do you know, so, or at least not the Sherlock oh. that I'm familiar with, you know, so. You're yeah. one of those, this isn't your father, Sherlock. <laughs> so then, you know. You're that probably character. spinning at the TV. What the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> it's not quite that bad. Um, because, you know, he's not, they're, you know, Mycroft and Sherlock are definitely not the central figures. So it's not like, you know, it's two hours of watching Henry Cavill play Sherlock Holmes, you know. Um, really, it's it's. I don't know the actress's name. I just want to refer to it as, as Eleven. Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Wow, what a name! Um, Millie Bobby Brown really carries this movie. You know, she's the star of the show, and she, you know, is by far the star of the show. I mean, it's her character that's the the you know the name of the movie and and the, the protagonist, and she does a good job of staying in that role and and being that main lead character that was very fun to watch. And I know I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the story was good. Um, I love a period piece. So, you know, I'm always sucked in when it's a, you know, a, a turn of the century type of piece. Um, and I thought they did a good job with the whole, 
you know, kind of explaining how he had a little sister because he, he doesn't, you know, and, and everything else, you know, and, and, and all the kin, and he doesn't have any kind of other siblings other than Mycroft, at least not that they ever talked about. But the reality is, is that if you listen to a lot of, if you listen to all the original Sherlock Holmes stuff, there is no background. I mean, there's very little background. He talked about Mycroft a little bit once or twice, you know, in like the 78 stories, you know, when they were younger. And that's about it. There's never any Holmes origin stuff with Conan Doyle. It's always just the case at hand. And uh, <clears throat> they're very, um, you know, they're, they're basically short stories, the bulk of them. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're formulaic and they're, they're detective stories where somebody dies or something, a crime happens and he has to solve them. And there's not a whole lot of, so from, from a perspective of the original creator and the original author, you don't ever learn a whole lot about Sherlock Holmes. So the reality is I, you know, in theory, he could have had a sister and he obviously had parents, you know, and, and so, you know, I thought they did a decent job. Are you sure he had parents or he wasn't just (laughs) created in a lab somewhere? If he was, I mean, him and Mycroft were both created in the lab together, I guess. So that's uh, that would be interesting. But maybe uh, Sherlock was adopted as a baby <laughs> robot, and I did love Mycroft uh, is just an asshole because it was that time. <laughs> I did. Uh, I was very happy with uh, Helena Bonham Carter as, <clears throat> as their mother. I like her. I think she's without a doubt my favorite female actress at the moment i mean <laughs> she is the type of crazy bitch that would have children and then just abandon them you know <laughs> she, to help voldemort go kill harry potter or something there isn't anything that i've seen her in that i don't like her in i mean I think- uh you never you didn't see dark shadows because she wasn't great in that that just wasn't a great movie genre in general uh, i think i did see that and i do think i remember thinking that's not a very good movie and sometimes you know even you know good actors and actresses get stuck in bad roles and bad but you did just say that you haven't seen her in anything bad that's true and i'd have to see it ladies and gentlemen mr entertainment's (laughs) about to verbally print his first retraction (laughs) i'd have to watch it again because honestly i don't even really remember her in it but i'll take your word for it because you have a better recollection of stuff than i do when it comes to stuff like that so it just wasn't a good movie in general sure and that's speaking from someone who never i was too young to watch the dark souls uh, their Dark Shadows uh, TV show. Sure, but no, it was not. It was not a good movie. And that her was turn, a you know, Depp, right? Yeah, Johnny vampires, Depp. Johnny yeah. Depp. <laughs> yeah, see, I vaguely remember it. I'd have to watch it again to, to actually decide if I uh, on her, you know, uh, portrayal in that movie. But I, if I remember correctly, I think I saw it, and I think it was. I wasn't a very good film. So, you know, again, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, unfortunately. You know, a good actors and actresses end up in bad films, you know, all the time, and sometimes they can't save them. So. But I think, as a general rule, there isn't much that I, I haven't seen her in that I don't really like her. So, um, yeah, I, I thought she was good in this, you know, in her small little, you know, couple of parts, a uh, couple of pieces. Um, and it's a strong film, I think. You know, anybody that likes uh, a good mystery will like it. Anyone that likes uh, anybody that likes a good basic mystery. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not super complex. Um, it's pretty straightforward, you know, but uh, it's not terrible. I've seen worse. Um, I've seen definitely more one-dimensional mysteries. Um, but, you know, it's got good acting in it, and uh, I-, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, I hate to have to disagree with you, but I thought <laughs> it was a subpar 
I really, when I saw the trailer, I just naturally assumed that this was a TV show. So I was like, I I wonder if it's limited. I thought, I wonder if we're going to get a, you know, get a renewal for second season. And then when I realized it was a movie, it's like, oh, that kind of blows. Like, I wouldn't uh, really live in this world for more than like an hour and 30 minutes. I thought, like I just said, the mystery was basic, I guess, because it's a, she's a 16 year old, like maybe they wouldn't be complex, but I thought that was like one of the hallmarks of being a Holmes is that like you solve shit that no one else can. And like, it's, it, it makes, it makes Sherlock Holmes look like an idiot too, because it takes him until the end of the movie to solve the case. I just, it felt lacking in it's, um, it's the word I'm thinking it's execution. I liked it. I liked all the players in the movie. I thought maybe Hella, Helena, Helena Bohem Carter's uh, role was a bit like they could have given that to anybody. And they just said, hey, you know, I feel like they wanted all British people because Millie Bobby Brown is a Brit and so is Henry Cavill. And right. I believe that uh, the guy who played Mycroft, uh, Sam Kaplan, he may be British. I'm not sure about that. I know that Helena Bohem Carter, I believe she also is British because she was also in Harry Potter. And that was the thing is like, if you're not a Brit, you're not going to get in. <laughs> yeah, you're, no, not get, you're not getting the wand, governor. <laughs> you know, my, my terrible British accent. But uh, I, I don't know. I wanted to see more from it. I felt like um, if I hadn't seen her breaking the fourth wall Deadpool style in the trailers, that it would have been jarring to me. I know that this is based off a book series or maybe just a book so i'm not sure how it goes but i was for all the momentum i had positively going into it i kind of dragged my feet watching this movie you know usually i sit through a movie and finish it and this one i kind of pieced out into little you know quick bites some quibby action if you will (laughs) and (laughs) I, I I thought the movie was just okay. I thought it was just another Netflix movie that was just okay. I was kind of disappointed by it. I, I felt like there was nothing wrong with it. It was mainly the story and the execution of the story. And it just it left a lot to be desired for me. Especially with uh, such a talented cast. You know, I know that mostly most of the, if not all of it, was resting on the young shoulders of Millie Bobby Brown. But I just, I needed a little fucking more. Come on, give me a little more complexity. And this comes from someone that I'm not really, like, my favorite Sherlock Holmes story is a fucking story on Wishbone from OPB from, like, the 90s. So that tells you, like, my depth of love or appreciation. Like, so once I found out the character was high-functioning sociopath, it's hard for me to connect to that person. You solve a mystery. If I'm sorry, but if I want someone who's going to solve a mystery, if I want a great detective, I'm going to go with Batman. Because at least I know that he makes his intentions of narcissism and uh, self-preservation clear, where Sherlock seems to be caring. But if you dig a little deeper, find like, oh, fuck, he'd rather solve this mystery than meet my parents. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he's a—he's definitely a, um, you know, uh, he's a bit of a narcissist. He's got tunnel vision. He's self-absorbed. He's 
singularly focused. If it doesn't have to do with solving crime, he doesn't really care about it. Um, you know, Irene Adler, the character that Rachel McAdams plays in the in the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr., is the only woman that ever comes in his orbit. The original, you know, stories that any kind of inkling that there's any kind of fondness for. Um, you know, he doesn't really have any use for the opposite sex. He's, you know, he's pretty, he's 100% sexual. I mean, and, and, and none of the original stuff written by Conan Doyle does he ever have you know, kind of a prayer with anybody um, or any kind of sexual, you know, interactions or romantic, you know, whatever. Uh, and, you know, he's a cocaine user when, 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 uh, there's no crime to be solved. He's depressed, uh, you know, uh, terrible to be around. Um, and when there's crime to be solved, he's, you know, up and at it and singularly focused on one day and night and workaholic. And, you know, he's definitely a unique character. There's a lot. Of Those are the him. traits of a common addict. Yeah, absolutely. No, I would agree with that. Um, and, and those are some of the things that I like about him because I feel like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times characters in, in stories are not always relatable. They're written in a way that, you know, they're, they got, to me, they don't feel overly relatable. And I'm not... They're know, like out of reach by an arm's length. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a cocaine addict and I'm not solving crimes. But the, the fact that he's both brilliant and horrible at the same time, that he's a genius and a drug addict, that he has these two dynamic, you know, uh, or, or, you know, diametrically opposed kind of characteristics and personality traits to me is very relatable as a human being um, and makes them feel more real. I mean, I think the one thing that uh, I always felt Arthur Conan Doyle did, even though you only get little bits of him as a person, was he always made him feel relatable as someone you could see as being a real person. A lot of times, characters and stories for me feel as fictional as they actually are. You know, these people couldn't really exist, or that person's never going to really exist in the real world. Where I could see someone like Sherlock Holmes really existing in the real world. Um, so that's one of the things that I've always liked about him. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't, obviously, as I said before, I liked it. I didn't have the same feelings about it. Um, but, you know, I'm probably a little biased because I'm always going to be a little bit in favor of, of anything Sherlock Holmes. Um, and so I, I went into it, you know, already, you know, happy. that. Well, yeah, I was ready to and happy, motherfucker. And then they just kind of <laughs> underdeveloped. Yeah. I like a good mystery. I like to, you know, I'm not a stupid person. So anything that can make me feel kind of dumb and I'm like, oh, this is what stupid people feel like. And, man, I enjoyed that. I'm going to have to watch that again because I didn't really understand it. But with this one, it was a very, this felt like the plot for a TV episode right. on, like, a primetime TV show. It felt like a villain of the week type scenario. Oh, my God, your grandma is a terrible person who loves you but somehow wants to kill you? Right. Like, that, that and that mystery came out of nowhere it was a bit frustrating that uh on her grand adventure to find her mom which that didn't even it felt like they were like oh we're gonna save the mystery of the mom 
for a later date because typical Hollywood, she has to meet a young man and fall in love with him, which is just kind of, we, we can't get a coming of age story for a young woman without the same typical bullshit Hollywood of just Phil slot A, Phil slot B, Phil slot C and D. And you never really get around to the, the, what seemed like a better mystery. Why the fuck is her mom trying to blow a bunch of shit up? Can we focus on that instead of, this rich asshole, I guess it, it all kind of dovetailed into each other. But I felt, again, i am just say the word, I felt the movie was lacking in execution. Yeah. I was not, I did not go into it pessimistically. Uh, sure. I went into it hopeful, and I was expecting, you know, to be entertained. I was mildly entertained, but it was more by the side characters than anything else, than, than the main character or the main mystery or mysteries you know because her mom does pop back in momentarily at the end of the film and it's like maybe the entire Holmes family suffers from kind some kind of sociopathism where they can't fully connect to each other or I don't know we neither one of us alive so maybe parents were just always you know going out for a pint and a slice of bread, and just abandoning their children at their ridiculously large estates back then. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, you know, I, I, if I had to guess, you know, when you have two um, canonical characters like Mycroft and Sherlock Holmes that both have severe personality flaws, you know, I would think that the implication would be that they probably come from a home that isn't necessarily the soundest environment or, you know, the, the most nurturing environment. Um, they're both pretty cold. They're both pretty scientific. They're both pretty unaffectionate. Um, and, and, you know, both of them are lack empathy and, and compassion for the most part. So chances are good. They probably, you can probably take from that that, that the idea would be that they probably didn't grow up in a very compassionate or caring household. Um, so, but again, you know, that's all speculation for stuff that's written later or for people to say, what if, because that's never ever presented by the original creator as, you know, his idea of, you know, when, when someone creates a character, if they don't tell you their backstory, then really, you know, you you have no way of knowing. Um, and so obviously if they're, you know, dead and gone as, as Doyle is now, we're, we're never going to know. You know, um, but I do know that um, he didn't like Sherlock Holmes. Um, he didn't want to write Sherlock Holmes after the first few stories, and he was never a big fan of him. He always wanted to do other stuff. Um, he liked nonfiction writing, and that's really what he wanted to do um, different kind of nonfiction stuff. Um, he wanted to do some political stuff, and he wanted to do some other stuff. He, he was into birds. Um, but nobody was interested in that. You know, he, he needed to write to pay the bills. And he wrote uh, the first Holmes short story and, and it was picked up and it was published and people loved it. And he wrote a couple more and they absolutely loved it. And then he didn't want to do it anymore. He tried to kill the character and then he had to bring him back later because he needed money again. But he never really wanted to write Sherlock Holmes. And as a result, he never overly developed the character you know there he's a pretty one-dimensional character it's about solving mysteries and that's really it um and 
you know, that's that's uh, unfortunate in many respects, but it is what it is. Yeah, that is unfortunate to <laughs> I, be the creator of a great literary character and not really want to, man, I never knew that. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely, you know, it was interesting to me to find that out too. Nothing like hating your biggest, your most popular creation, you know. Um, if you listen to, <clears throat> if you listen to the early, you know, the original Sherlock Holmes stuff, the, the Doyle stuff, you know, he was so not into it that Watson, who has a, a, a war injury, it moves from his shoulder to his leg to his lower leg in different stories because it, it, and it's on his right side in one story and on his left side in the other because he didn't even care enough to keep the continuity about where Watson's injuries were because he was not into writing the stories. He didn't want to do it. So, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, that's, and that's part of the reason why I think we never got any more development or backstory on who Sherlock Holmes was. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, but he's definitely not a very sympathetic or compassionate character. He's not the kind of character that you're going to find yourself being sympathetic towards in any way. If you're going to find yourself sympathetic towards anybody, it's going to be Watson because of, you know, in many respects, he's not abused by Holmes, but in Holmes's own way, he's definitely condescending and, and you know, patronizing. And, and he's, you know, Watson... I don't want to say is lackey because that's not really what he is, not at least in the original stuff, but he definitely kind of, um, you know, he, he, he's subordinate to a certain extent. Um, and, and he's in awe, you know, he's, um, he's really his, uh, you know, being a fan girl, fan girl. Yeah. To a certain extent. Absolutely. Um, you know, he thinks, you know, from his words to, you know, pen to paper, from his mind to paper, you know, Holmes is a genius and everyone needs to know what he can do despite his flaws, you know. Um, so it's definitely, you know, there's, there's, it's written from a sense of admiration because Watson is the person that's writing these down. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's not a very sympathetic character, neither him or Mycroft is. Um, and yeah, I could see not necessarily being super, you know, um, one way or the other. I just... I like him because I grew up on him. You know, it's one of the, the first things that my dad introduced me to, um, who's a big reader and, you know, a literary type. And so, um, and then, you know, obviously I fell in love with it on my own too. Um, I think it's, even though he didn't want to do them, and even though there's some continuity issues, I think they're pretty well written, the original stuff. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's a pretty unique character, even though he's not sympathetic or compassionate i do find them you know human and relatable um so yeah i mean i was disappointed when when this wasn't a series and i think they could have probably gotten more out of it had they done a series it seems like yeah you know this could have been you know the underlying story of her mom and the bombs and all that could have been an underlying theme through the whole first season while she solved other small mysteries kind of coming of age. You know, I understand that she's only 16 and as a result, she's probably not, you know, saving the planet immediately, you know, that she's going to start smaller, you know, but um, they could have, yeah, they, they could have done it as a series and probably, but, you know, if they're getting flack already on Henry Cavill's portrayal and if 
if the bulk of people that watch it had your sentiment around it, then maybe it wouldn't have survived as a TV show. I don't know. You know, maybe it would have only been. Well, it would have been the way Netflix is platform. Yeah, it would have been one season. But, you know, Netflix likes to renew shit. I just, I don't know. If they do do a second one, they need to punch up the mystery a little bit. You know, punch that script up, make it a little bit tighter. I was not really a fan of the uh, whatever the fuck kind of royalty that that little white boy was right. was not entertaining at all. I hear you. you know, just it, it just happened out of nowhere, and I, I mean, I know things in life happen like that sometimes, but this truly was just one of those things where. It felt like, as for her character, it was just a case of wrong place, right time, or some shit like that. Just pure, just fell into a mystery. It seemed very kind of slapdash, where the mystery of her mom seemed like, now that seemed like some real... Right. She was, you, 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 you really had got understanding that she was a, a Holmes, that she was a sister of Sherlock Holmes when she was in her mom's room looking around. She found the money and all that shit. But when it came to the mystery of the uh, fucking Duke or whatever the fuck he was, it just seemed like so, so easy. It just didn't seem like a case closed, uh, an, an earned W in the wind column for Enola Holmes. It seemed kind of like, well, she's a kid, so we'll give her something that a kid could solve. But then by the same token of virtue... Sherlock Holmes should have known it almost from the beginning if he's so fucking brilliant. Right. Like, it took him the same amount of time as it did her. It just, and some something about the movie seemed unbalanced. No, I would agree with and you. And a bit rushed. I would agree. I thought that the portrayal of Sherlock Holmes was, 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 was poor. I mean, not necessarily just Henry Cavill. <laughs> a great job, but I don't think the writing of his character was great. But I think the, I think the, 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 the purpose of that was to, you know, have Enola shine more. But in the meantime, it makes Sherlock Holmes look dumber. I mean, you know, either have him know and not tell her because he doesn't want to, you know, he wants her to learn on his own. You have to learn on your own. But I know, um, you know, as opposed to coming to it at the same time as her, I know you want to you want to make her look like she's special, but he's really special too and he should know well in advance of a 16 year old what's going on in this simple mystery like that and you know you're right I mean they never really um, the, the real I think the real interesting story and what could win should have been the real mystery is what what's going on with mom um, which we never really get any kind of real resolution to per se um, and you know I yeah that would be the fun story for me much more than the one that they actually did with the with the little royal boy. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess, you know, it's not going to win any awards. It's not going to, you know, uh, it's definitely not, you know, a great film. Um, But again, you know, I thought for what it was, I enjoyed it. Um, But I can see your, your, your points. There's definitely some, some flaws in it for sure. I can't imagine they'll do another one. I'd be surprised if they did another one, especially if they're going to, well, it's it's Netflix. They are like fucking shots fired left and right. They just released a movie called uh, um, Vampires vs. the Bronx, which I'm like halfway through, and that's very enjoyable, like throwback to like, it kind of reminds me of the 
know if you ever saw that one movie, The Monster Squad. Uh, I think it's called. It's a. I think it's an older. It's an older movie, but it's a throwback to a time where kids were in movies and they're doing dangerous shit that kids just don't do anymore. You know, like how kids used to live, like going, like children going to fight a bunch of fucking vampires. I, I, I suggest you check it out. It's good. But if they're doing, they're, they're just, Netflix is dropping shit left and right. But last I heard with this, uh, this movie, uh, they might probably, they probably won't drop another Enola Holmes until they figure out their legal batter will batter their legal battle with the, uh, Conan Doyle estate. Right. I would figure not, yeah. No, I mean, I would guess that the chances are good that, you know, if, if you're getting sued over something, even if you win in the long run, it's really not worth even the, the protracted lawsuit and so on, the time that it takes to even fight it, unless it's something that's super successful. And again, you know, I don't know what kind of reviews, I haven't read any reviews on it or anything, but if the general consensus is more on your side, then on my side, then I can't imagine there's a whole lot of people squawking anywhere for another one per se, you know, and if you have a protracted legal battle about it, then you really don't want to even, what's the point, you know? Well, at the same time, because it's not the first time that a Netflix thing has, especially one involving Millie Bobby Brown has been in legal battles that I don't know if you remember, but we covered this in a piece of news uh, last year sometime that the the, the Duffer brothers from uh, Stranger Things, creators of Stranger Things had been a legal battle over uh, copyright infringement or you know, some, what what do you call that? Um, plagiarism. Plagiarism. Right. Yeah. Which I believe the case was settled and they were going on. That was That was happening in the middle of them shooting I think season two. So Netflix isn't a stranger to having a property that's in the middle of having the shit potentially sued out of it and still going ahead. So I don't know. It's with them. They don't release their numbers because they're, there aren't, they're not traditional. So they're doing everything. They know the numbers and uh, we don't like, well, they, they rarely release, Sure. You know, how many people watched it when it dropped on day one? Right. And, and numbers like that, which are important to track, I guess. You know, there's all kinds of metrics in Hollywood that, you know, if it's a traditional um, theater release, you know, they want it to make as much money. The more money, the better. So there's there's no telling. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a situation of either or. So I feel like it's a 50-50. It'd be great if they f- f- further fleshed out <laughs> The uh, what seemed like her mom wanting to bomb right half of fucking London or wherever exactly they were at. I'm sorry to anybody who yeah. is from there. I can't remember exactly where they're from. I think it's London. I think they're in London. London, yeah. Let's let's dig into that. You know, her mom seems like a domestic terrorist. Sure, but uh, I could also see it being a one-off where it never gets resolved or that they can't do it because of the legal battle. Sure. But there were bright spots and there were dim spots, you know, it's not definitely not the worst movie that I've seen in a long time. It was enjoyable. I laughed at it. I thought the character of Enola was endearing. I just found, uh, 
the story, the plot to be lacking. Yeah, no, I mean, it could definitely have been, you know, a, a more in-depth creative mystery. And again, I think, you know, as we've said a couple of times, they probably missed the ball a little bit with, with the real mystery, which is what's going on with her mom. Um, for the more kind of shallow mystery, and they didn't really resolve the, the underlying one. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if that's an indication of their intention of trying to do something else. Um, you know, they have some additional storyline that they can continue to try to resolve, or whatever, or if it's just poor execution, you know, poor story. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I would, I, it was, it was good enough that I would say if you like those kinds of movies, check it out. If you know, if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, watch it. It's, you know, I think it's worth. I think it's okay to watch. Um, if you like period pieces, I would check it out. You know, if those aren't your type of things. Um, you know, it's definitely not probably your cup of tea because it's not um, what I would call a, a phenomenal example of, of those kind of films. I'll have to agree with that. And uh, since we're scaling back and going back to formula, I'd like to add one little um, tidbit, one new little thing, sure. and that's a rating system. I don't know if you feel like stars are are great. I, th- I feel like in the honor of Dennis Reynolds, the original five-star man, uh, we should start doing star rating and uh, I'll let you give your rating first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all for definitely doing a rating. I think we could probably try to, we should try to come up with something uh, entertainment and beyond unique, maybe uh, five joints or five bong hits or, uh, I don't know, something dumb like that or five bat- five Five puffs. Five puffs. Yeah, I mean, this this for me, you know, I thought it was a three and a half out of five puffs uh, for me. I would give it a three and a half out of five. Oh, man, I'm going to give it, fuck. I thought you'd give it a higher rating. I'm going to give it just three puffs for everything that I mentioned. There was some good, but there was more bad than good. Again, the story was lacking, and I feel like they, for everything that it had going for it, you know, it had me because with, with a good movie trailer, and this is what you need, you need to be able to hook everybody in, in two minutes or less. You need to be able to grab people's attention. It's really important when you're trying to put a movie out in theaters. Sure. You need to be, be able to count on people being there to, to buy pre-sale tickets and, and already have their, their, their spot plotted out stake their land so to speak and so I'll give the the movie three puffs because it had all the right stuff going for it and this is the thing about Henry Cavill is that he's one of those actors that he is unfortunately he comes off wooden a lot because I feel like he picks terrible terrible scripts I feel like and you say you know this sorry people to get off to get off track a little bit, but to go back, you said his Superman was wooden and that Superman is a wooden character, but look at all the life that, that Christopher Reeves brought to him. He really made him pop. You know what I'm saying? It's not the fact that Superman, I believe, is a wooden character. I believe it's the fact that Henry Cavell gets these scripts that are just, they don't allow him to do it much more than look pretty and be stiff. And I feel like in this movie he was uh he was nice and warm 
he was a warm big brother. It was it was it was weird to see Sherlock that way, but it was still like I said they had for all the right ingredients in the world they still kind of made a dish that was just like, well it's food I'm gonna eat it you know I'm full I've gotten my sustenance my fuel, but uh, it wasn't really what I wanted exactly so I can only give the movie three puffs I feel like I feel like if I gave it two puffs that's that's doing too much it's not deserving of it but i feel like three pups is enough for what the movie gave me yeah no i would agree i mean i thought it was a decent little film um you know again not going to win any awards um you know i i thought that henry cavill left a little bit desired i thought the sherlock holmes character wasn't wasn't super true to the to the traditional sherlock holmes character but again you know, it's fictional, so, you know, feel free to play with it. Um, and if it's done well, I'm not opposed to it. Um, you know, I, I would watch probably a second movie. Um, but again, you know, and I would recommend it to someone that, that enjoys Sherlock Holmes or period pieces. But again, you know, I wouldn't just recommend it to anybody. You know, if someone said, hey, I'm looking for something to watch tonight that's really good. That wouldn't be the first thing that rolled off of my tongue. Well, that's a very kind thing of you to do, Alan. <laughs> Anytime someone, it's always the same with me. Anytime someone is looking for something new, say, you ever heard of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. So I do want to touch on one more thing. I watched a show, and I don't know, I know you don't have that. God, for the guy who says he wants to keep it under an I hour. Do. I do. I, I'm going to keep this under an hour, I promise. Um, it's just a quick little uh, blurb about it. But I know you don't really have Netflix, but um, I know sometimes you have the miraculous ability to watch their content. If you get the, the ability to watch their content again, um, check out a show called Sneakerheads. It's really dumb, um, and it's it's formulaic, and it's it's not. Is that the show where they're the guys are just reselling shoes? Kind of, but it's a little bit more like it's a little bit more than that. It's 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 not overly it's funny, but it's not overly hysterical. But I, I want you to check it out because I have a feeling that it's something that it felt kind of like what the night before 20 would be um, if we had actually, if and when we actually do it. It struck me as being kind of similar in some respects without the weed involvement at all because there's no weed involvement. But, um, but just kind of the craziness as they go through strikes me as some of the stuff that we would probably want to do in our show. So I think that you, I, I think it's worth checking out if you get a chance to check it out. I'm, I'm not, it's definitely not um, a great show. And, and for the listeners, if you're bored and looking for something to just kind of, you know, zone out to, it, it's okay. Um, but uh, for JD specifically, um, I want you to check it out just because I think it's kind of, uh, I, it rings kind of true to kind of what we talked about a little bit. I think you'll see what I mean when you watch it. All right, I'll give it a. Is it a TV show? Yeah, it's a TV show. They've got season one on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. It's got I, I how watched, many episodes is it? I think there's seven, six or seven or eight at most. There's no. Eight. I will do everything. I will do what I do with every other TV show. It's actually what most studio companies do. I will commit to one episode, and then if you wow me with that one episode, it. I'll commit to the full season. But I'm not going to commit to the full season off the bat, off of anything. Absolutely. I've actually, ladies and gentlemen, Alan, I've actually been clean off of any It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I haven't watched 
anything in like uh fuck three months now wow so you're, which is you're really all, good for me yeah i'll be on the withdrawal period well no every day i still like <laughs> say quotes to myself and laugh at shit but i don't go on youtube and look for the the outtake gags anymore nothing like that and i'm not watching the episodes i'm really trying to get out there i actually what are you uh, doing i don't know if you've been watching any i've been watching uh power uh, of Go- ghost book to power the spin-off yep. to power uh-huh. and i've been watching uh raised by wolves a ridley scott original for hbo max and lovecraft country which is another uh, HBO Max original. All three really, really good fucking shows. I highly suggest you check out Raised by Wolves. It's fucking nuts. It's crazy. Well, fuck you, because I can't get HBO Max on my Roku TV or my Roku device. So, um... You Roku people are so stubborn. Is it really that great a device that you're like, no, you have. We can't meet in the middle. You need to come to my side. Well, no. I mean, I gladly do it. I mean, I can watch it on my PlayStation. I mean, I can put it on my PlayStation Four. But um, no, the problem is that I have two Roku televisions. I mean, they're Roku TVs, so I can't. If it doesn't, if it's not compatible with Roku, I can't install the app. I mean, it literally won't let me install the HBO Max app. So, um, so I, I can't watch Lovecraft Country and uh, the Raised by Wolves. So. Um, but I, I did read that, uh, and I know we've talked about this several times, uh, I did read a little article the other day that said uh, Peacock is now on Roku, which I told you, and don't expect HBO Max too far behind. So hopefully within the next you know couple months or so, we'll, I'll be able to get HBO Max by Roku. You guys just keep stubbornly holding out because the <laughs> Roku audience is that, that small pocket audience that they can't penetrate to. So they need they need to figure out. So I don't know why it's so hard for them to just be like, yeah, okay, unlock. You're on Roku now, right? Like this has been a because you're not. There's a there's a show I watch on YouTube called Internet Today, and one of the guys on there is also a Roku person, and he's not budging just like you are. And it's just like, is it really that big a fucking yet? You know what I'm gonna do? Even if I had a Roku TV, like can't get on my Roku. But I can get it on BitTorrent. Yeah, no, I mean, I could definitely probably do that. And I could get it on my phone. And like I said, I could get it on my PlayStation and watch it through there. I just, the fact that I can't get it on my television irritates me. So at some point, if it, if it continues to hold out much longer, I'll probably end up getting it on the PlayStation just because there's enough stuff on there that I want to watch. That, uh, oh, there's enough content. Yeah, man, you lucky bastard. You're just going to get to get in there. And just fucking binge watch. <laughs> I've been going back to like weekly TV shit. Yeah. And it's been killing me, but I've been doing it. But that is, uh, if you don't have anything else to say, that's we're cutting it real close to an hour. We are. I do not have anything yeah. else to say. I think we did a really good job of uh, being concise and to the point this time and uh, getting it in within a, a, a palatable time frame for people to listen to without having to, you know, pause it and come back to it or feel like, damn, these assholes talk forever. I agree. <laughs> and uh, we will, uh, I will drop a PSA once we figure out what we're doing next or next episode, and I'll let all the viewers know. And maybe the person who calls themselves Mr. Entertainment Beyond will actually listen to the PSA. Who knows? But uh, 
We'll catch you on the next episode, ladies and gentlemen. Sounds good. As always, keep it classy. Stuff it down.